Welcome to Control the Controllables. My name is John McGahan from Max Tennis Academy in Ireland, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis in Spain. Together we have created a podcast, bringing some of the top tennis athletes and tennis coaches from across the globe together. We hope you enjoy our next episode. Welcome to episode 39 of Control the Controllables. Um, at the end of a long mental health awareness week. Um, sorry that this one's going out a little late. Um, Friday evening, but getting it out just in time as we promised to have one a day. Um, today we have Matt Hingley. Matt is is a great guy, first and foremost. And Matt has played futures level tournaments on and off for seven or eight years and as you'll hear in his story he's been in that predicament of not being able to afford to travel so then working as a tennis coach to travel um, to then try and achieve his dreams but obviously isn't doing things the right way in order to achieve his dreams Um, to those that know tennis they'll understand this journey to those that don't I think this podcast will be very educational of the realities of of trying to be a tennis player. You know, the fact that you're going out there and you're trying to earn the money yourself to put your money on the line to then try and almost invest in your future is very different to a lot of sports where you're obviously looking for somebody else to to take a chance on you in a team or, or however it might be. Um, so Matt, not a million miles off 30 years old, is still still there. Is he holding on? for the golden nugget of, of, of the big payday or is he doing it for the experiences? And that's one of the challenges that I give Matt throughout the podcast. Um, he talks about this, he talks about the situations and the way that he's felt mentally throughout that, that, that period. And once again, I believe it's a great learning podcast for, for many of you out there. I hope lots of you can relate. Thank you for continuing to support the the messages of support this week have been fantastic, so I'm really pleased that the mental health work week has touched everyone's hearts. And you know, like I say, it's been done for the right reasons. It's a taboo subject that we want to bring to the forefront. We want people to feel more and more comfortable to talk about how they feel, and in doing that, then you know, it's going to really help people be in it, be in a better place. You know, nobody's on their own in this. So thank you, and now. Without further ado, over to Matt Hingley. So, Matt Hingley, welcome to Control the Controllables. Hi. You all right, Dan? How are you? Yeah, good, man. It's, it's, good, it's good to have you on the show. To those listening, Matt, Matt has been playing um, on and off on the Futures Tour for probably the last seven or eight years, combining it with coaching. Um, picked up an ATP ranking of about 1,500. You know, as 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 always, giving his giving his very best. I've I've we've had Matt out at the academy, and as you guys know, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, and Matt's kindly reached out to me to to share his story, which I think with you guys listening, it will be a story that will will make a lot of sense to a lot of tennis players. You know, playing at the level that you've played at, Matt. Um, I guess to get straight into it, really, if you. What's your what's your story and journey been from a mental health perspective over the last few years with tennis? Um, it's it's been kind of in and out, obviously good and bad, um, and you kind of especially travelling a lot on your own. 
you go through a lot of mixed emotions. Yeah. Um, whether it be you're doing well one week or you have a run of bad kind of matches. Uh, for me, I think the big problem I had was kind of having to go in and out of coaching. Yeah. So, um, kind of going from a coaching environment to then competing. And you, because I needed the money, cause I was like, I've always been catch 22, need the money to travel. So you coach to then be able to travel. Um, so, kind of when I was playing, I've been playing tournaments, it's been a, kind of an added pressure because yeah. you've got that kind of, you've, you've invested pretty much all your money into those two or three week blocks that yeah. you're kind of playing. So, there's, uh, there's one actually, it's funny because we, we um, had a discussion in Greece. We sat down, I think, yeah. with it after this had happened. And um, so I, I can remember playing, um, playing, matching qualies, um, doing quite well actually. It was quite close in the first set, and then all the Brits came over to watch. So it was just me and this other guy on court, court like ten in, in Greece, out the way. Yeah. And then suddenly I had like Lloyd, Ward, yeah. Bibbit, yeah. Pete, Sam. Uh, Lucy Brown came to, yeah. to look, and you think that that get, gives you that kind of more confidence. Yeah. But for me, it was almost like, oh no, these guys are achieving a lot and doing well. Yeah. I've got a form here, so I'd gone from playing really well, and I just froze. Yeah. Um, and ended up losing. Level kind of went down, and I can just. I can just remember now, like, obviously you've been to Greece a few times and it's a really nice place, but yeah. I've sat on the beach, just a broken man, yeah, yeah. just because I've walked off the court. Um, I'm always seen in this kind of laid-back, jokey kind of guy, and I've yeah. literally sat on the beach, just broken, because I'm going, I've just wasted however much money that yeah. I've tried to save, how, however much time that I've put into the coaching and the hours, the training, on just kind of silliness of people wanting to come and help me and support. Yeah. And it's just had this, a negative effect. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky in the fact that we had to conversate, but we had a conversation after and was goal setting in yeah. place. And, and, and that was really helpful for me because I turned it from a kind of a negative into a positive. Yeah. But then the catch 22 was I came home, looked at the, that goal setting and probably hadn't been quite honest enough because it was like in an ideal world, if I could afford to play the tournaments that we, we were kind of planned, yeah. I could have done, achieved what we kind of set out to do. Yeah. From, I remember the first goal was something like, I think it was April at the time, October um, was uh, kind of the first cut off the short term goals was try and get to. ATP, an ATP ranking or whatever. Yeah. And we talked about trying to play, I don't know, eight, nine, ten tournaments. I yeah. played one. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was like, you, you're sitting there almost feeling like you failed. Yeah, yeah. But then you had, you had one chance. So then it was that kind of catch-22. And it's always been the same. Like, I've been better, better at doubles than singles. Yeah. But kind of a lot of players will understand that you have to have points in singles yeah. to play the doubles. Well, I went for 
I think it was last year, um, they changed the rules. And I was like, I said to my family, I'm really going to give it a go. I'm going to travel loads. I'm going to play loads of tournaments. And it was um, October, I think. Yeah. It was the first time I got into an event. Right. Yeah. So from January, there was kind of, I'd been entering tournaments week in, week out. Yeah. And the reality of it was, I was in Portugal in October, or yeah, I think it was October, ready to play again. Hadn't played any matches, just tried to save loads of money, coaching. Because that's the other thing, like when I was kind of 18, 19, British Tour, you got, like the British Tours, there was good money in it, so you could kind of save up. Um, whereas now it's like I earn money more from coaching. Yeah. So then you're encouraged to play less matches. So when you play, kind of go out and travel, yeah. it's, a, it's kind of, you're not match tight, yeah. you've got added pressure. And um, I remember Portugal, I, I, I played, I was lucky enough to partner Alexandra Muller. So he was top seed in singles. Yeah. And I just literally asked everyone, like, can anyone play? Kind of mess, yeah. sent a message out who can play. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll play. And I, the night before I was buzzing, I was ready to yeah. kind of retain my ranking points, go out, give it a good shout. We ended up drawing the top seeds and we get on court and I, could, I, I felt like the worst tennis player in the world because yeah. it was like, I was nervous. I hadn't played any kind of matches. Didn't know what it was like. I'd almost forgotten how to play tennis. Yeah. And then because of the three guys that on court with me, they just they see that straight away, yeah. and I was just I, I've never wanted I've never played a match where I've wanted to get off the court so quick because I just felt so out of it. And so many people have said to me, "Well, why don't you just quit and yeah. coach?" Not, but still now I've been saving up to go and compete, and like I still have that because I love it. I love the competing yeah. side of things. I love yeah. like an ideal position for me would be to try and play a full year and give it a go and just see where I could be at. The tournament for me to kind of, the mental side was, I went to Germany um, and the first week I was in overhatching. Played a good, good match really. I hadn't really played in any tournaments or anything or I hadn't had the ideal preparation. So I was quite positive after it. But I had six, seven days of literally not talking to anyone. Yeah. Like, um, there was another Brit there, Johnny Binding. I'm good friends with him, but we didn't stay together. Yeah. So it ended up, I was, I'd only left my room because the, the restaurant, the restaurant served like the worst food. Yeah. That, so it was like, I found a supermarket 15, 20 minutes away. Got so much cold food that I could just kind of last. So I was having breakfast, lunch, dinner in my room. Yeah. Watching like Netflix series. Yeah. So. I was spending say three, four hours on court and the rest I was just almost like in a prison because it was yeah. just like I was in a in my room for however many hours and mentally that just you just feel drained and each day just gets longer because you're not not talking to anyone. But then to be fair, second week we we travelled I think me and Johnny travelled together some like eleven hours on the train to get to the next tournament. Yeah. Um but I was already lifted from the fact that I had someone that I could yeah. talk to, someone to chat to. We ended up getting the points that following me in Bad Saddles first. Um, yeah. But 
I think it affects so many people in different ways. Like I listened to Pete's podcast, yeah, and he was saying he went on a kind of long kind of um, losing streak with his with his matches. Yeah. And you can relate to that, as a, and I'm sure a lot of players can relate to it because it's yeah. it, you kind of run of luck and either be very good and have a yeah. good spell, or it just seems like the world's against you. Yeah, and um, and it's a lonely sport because you can't really talk to anyone at the tournament. Yeah. So in my position, it's like I couldn't talk to anyone at the tournament because you feel like you it's a weakness and you're weaker than me because they're not talking about it. Yeah, you can't really talk about talk it to about it to the people at home because you almost don't want to tell them that you're you're kind of not doing well yeah, and I yeah. think a lot of my kind of friends and and at, at home don't understand tennis like yeah, yeah. they don't they think they always ask me oh, how when are you at Wimbledon that's the kind of general yeah, yeah. question and it's like you, you don't really get how hard it is obviously to get there yeah. so you can't really talk to them about it because I don't quite get it. Yeah. Um, so you, you do. If, yeah. In terms of, in terms of your story, I think you, it, it's quite a it's quite a common story in tennis. It's not really a, a a spoken about story because we we hear about Roger Federer, Serena Williams. We hear about you know that's at, at the very centerpiece. Yeah. So if we take if we take your story of to do it right. You have to compete a lot. You have to train a lot. To to compete a lot and train a lot, it costs money. So, yeah. so so then what what then happens is we then have to go and do something else to make the money to in order to compete. Yeah. And then and then the intensity and the pressure that's then put on ourselves because we're not competing as much as others is is through the roof. So then we let our feel we're letting ourselves down. We don't compete to the same to the same level that we we feel we can and then it's almost like that level that futures qualifying level getting in some events not getting in all is almost it's almost frowned upon within the game of tennis you know it's almost like you know there's so many guys because some of them aren't doing it right you know it's why do so many people do it because there's thousands there's yeah. thousands of Matt Hingleys out there that are, and you touched on it there, you said, you know, it's almost like we're addicted to it. What what are you addicted to? Because you've talked about the loneliness and you, you talked about, and I want to get a little bit more into the mental health battles that you feel that you've gone through. But why is is it you and so many others that are continue to put themselves through that? See, for, for, for obviously it's going to be different for a lot of people, but for me, um, from an early age, tennis has been kind of a big part of my life. It's just been kind of so important to me. Um, the enjoyment, the, the the fact that you can go on court and feel like you improve within every session. Yeah, I love the kind of elements of the. I, I love to problem solve on the course, and yeah. and um, that kind of challenge is really good. Uh, and you meet so many great people as well. So I think I think from travelling a lot as a junior to then competing as an adult, you've got those kind of goals in your mind, and you you, you do the the levels not that different. Like I look at I've looked at some of the players that are going through 
um, the tournaments, and you practice with them, and you go involved. I can hold my own there, but and and I'm and I'm fine forehand, backhand, whatever it might be. You feel like you do, you're there, yeah. And then there's just, there's just something slightly different that kind of changes between winning and losing, yeah. and I think I think that's what people get so attached to is look I'm I'm not far away but what do I need to change and yeah. you kind of there's that kind of chase of it might suddenly click or like for me it was um I think a big part for me was I I'd send a lot of emails trying to get some kind of financial help. Yeah. And there was another there's another area I haven't touched on but there's so many people telling me, oh yeah, I'll give you this or I'll give you that and, and so you go and get on this kind of frame mind if I can travel more you're planning and then it falls through and then you go you try again and it falls yeah. through but so you've got that constant battle with yeah. um trying to trying to achieve what you want to achieve really yeah. and and I think also it's quite hard once you've got gone from competing to kind of normal day you don't get that kind of adrenaline rush like yeah. coaching I won't get that adrenaline of Kind of serving at match point for points in a double score in a match tie break, or playing against someone I probably shouldn't beat, but I'm doing well and and I'm I'm kind of competing well and and achieving more than I can achieve. Yeah, but, but I understand. But I understand that. So I guess I guess me making sense of it in my mind, it's like it sounds as if it's like that arsehole boyfriend at school who all the girls want to go out with because because they think they're the ones that are going to tame them yeah 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 but but the reality is they're not and and so so i've got a couple of things on this one i think it mental health problems and and difficulties mentally come from people when reality and expectation there's a gap yeah. So, so when someone has an expectation of something, whereas actually the reality isn't the same, then I think it causes problems one way or the other, you know, in, in, in different situations. So let's reframe this. Is it not about actually going into these events and saying, well, do you know what? My, my driving force here is not to change the guy, not to become, you know, into, in the tennis term, not to necessarily be the outlier. I'm not just doing it to maybe get my day at Wimbledon or to, but I'm doing it because actually the experiences are amazing. And the experiences, exactly what you're saying, of dealing with the adrenaline rush, the experiences of putting yourself in pressure situations, the experience of, of putting yourself in a really difficult, uncomfortable position. The, the experiences of traveling the world, meeting new people, growing networks. Because I, I do think if, if, we, if the focus is more, and I go back to what the purpose is, you know, if, if the purpose is to become a top 100 tennis player in the world or to hit the jackpot, in reality, the majority, if not all, players that have been playing futures qualities and maybe playing four or five tournaments, six tournaments a year, that ain't going to happen. No, However, what is going to happen is all of these other amazing things if we allow it to. You know, so from, from your perspective, how, how are you looking at it? Are you looking at it from an experience point of view? Or are you looking at it from the pot of gold point of view? 
Steve, it's, it's funny you say that because before lockdown, I'd yeah. say the expectation was was high. Yeah. Um, it was why I'm not achieving these things. How am I going to change it? What kind of almost seeing it from like a negative side of things. Yeah. And getting down on myself, like looking at people that I've grown up with who are doing very well, and I'm going, well, why is that them and not me? And almost being a bit of a victim to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it was kind of the good thing with tennis almost not being allowed yeah. for a period of time, and you obviously can't go on the courts and, and you're stuck at home. It's that realisation that I actually love the sport. Yeah, yeah. So all that expectation of achieving this world ranking or kind of doing getting to a certain point is should be a bonus yeah to the and and i think i was getting so wrapped up in why am i not here yeah. rather than hold on i'm actually i've actually achieved a lot yeah to get here and i've and enjoy enjoy the process of kind of being there and and i think now i'd i'd almost like to fast forward just to see how different i'll be in a couple of how, when we go back to the new normal yeah. Because it's like a new lease. It's all like I'm a new person, and the fact yeah, yeah. that I can go, well, there's no expectations. I'm just going to go out, and I, I love it. Like at the end of the day, I was putting pressure on myself before with financially. I was putting money in myself, and then yeah. feeling like I let myself down, yeah. rather than going. Actually, I've put my own money in, and done something I love to do. Absolutely. So yeah. So I think I think it is a big experience to expectation i think we do get as a player you do get wrapped up in that expectation of yeah. i'm letting everyone down i'm not achieving i should be here and i'm not or yeah. i think as soon as you accept the expectations a myth in a sense it, yeah, you, yeah. It's, you're never going to meet that expectation yeah and you can't start working on the process and what you're what you want to achieve and, and the enjoyment i think then you change yeah. I think then it becomes a lot more of a positive place I think that's a great bit of advice. I just think, I just think because there will, there'll be people listening to this that have gone through or, or going through a similar thing. And it's just, it's the reframe. And, you know, and this is one of the 35th, 36th, 37th podcasts we've done. And if I was to kind of analyze, and we've had a lot of Grand Slam champions, a lot of top 100 players in the world. If I was to kind of take one or two key bits, one of the big things I've taken from it is, the importance of enjoying the experience. Yeah. And, and, and actually, and this would be for parents that are starting off with their kids, for kids that are starting off their journey. We, for somewhere along the line in this tennis world, we forget that. And, yeah. it, and it starts to become about picking up ATP points, ITF points, this points, this points, that ranking, that, you know, doing this, doing that. And it's like, ultimately fundamentally we have to do it for enjoyment and that doesn't mean we enjoy every day but it means that you know we, we are the experience we value the experience that we're getting from this journey i think sometimes people lose that very quickly and there's a and, and i'm a big believer in this i think futures tennis is a dark place yeah i agree and i think it's a dark place if you allow it to be and, and I think it, you can get pulled into that way of thinking. Just to the list for the listeners, Matt, how dark did it get for you? And what was the lowest point? 
Um, I mean, for me, not not feeling good enough to practice with anyone. Um, you lose a match and you don't want to get out of bed. Yeah, kind of. You 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 can't. You just feel like you failed, really. Like, and it's just at the end of the day, it's just a tennis match. But it's everything to you when you're there. And I think I don't think there's like a an a go-to low point. Yeah. I think it was a lot of little ones. Yeah. Because I think I think the, the the thing is as well, you you kind of reassure yourself you're okay. Yeah. And for me, I think there were times when. I'd kind of try and snap out of it, like, come on, like, look, you're in a lovely place and, and yeah. you kind of have a battle with yourself of what's yeah. good, what's bad. But yeah, there was there's times when you don't want, I didn't want to practice, not because I, did, I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't feel like I belonged there. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like I'd, I'd be turning up paranoid thinking people were talking or they, they don't care really in reality. But I'm there thinking that they've remembered my match. Yeah. And no one wants to practice with me. For example, Pete opening up. Yeah. I saw Pete at tournaments and he, he just looked like the life of the park. Like yeah, yeah. he was just always confident. And I, I looked at him and I was like, Well, come on man, be more like kind of, do you know what I mean almost looking at him going, Be more like him, he's so confident, he's yeah, yeah. he's doing well on course. When in reality he was struggling as well. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I I'd never talked to him about that. Yeah, or yeah bring that up because you don't think he's going through it and he probably doesn't think yeah. because I, I'm quite laid back or and in normal life a lot of things don't really bother me but with tennis it's completely different um, so yeah I, I think I think there was a lot of dark moments yeah um, but you, I think if you're in the wrong, wrong mindset you turn normal situations into dark moments yeah, because you just got that kind of negative mindset, but yeah. then when you turn, have that positive mindset, nothing really affects you. You can yeah. lose comfortably, and be fine with it. But but once again, we go back to that expectation versus yeah. like enjoying the experience. It's interesting the way you talk about it. You you're talking about normal life and tennis. Yeah. Why can't they be? The, why isn't tennis normal? Do you know like why like why yeah why are they separated? You know, and I think that's, it's quite an interesting, I think it's an interesting concept of, yeah. of us putting tennis on a pedestal, of us, you know, putting it in a place that it is abnormal and it is, whereas actually it's, it's not, it's, it's normal, it's, it's tennis, it's life, yeah. it's tournaments, it's, you know, it all is. Why, why do you think you, you separate the two? Um, it's, I think... It goes back to kind of my junior days, really. I, I had like, all my friends, my close friends, weren't tennis. They were all just from school. If I wasn't playing or training, it was I'd be hanging around with my schoolmates doing something completely different to tennis. Yeah. So, kind of, there was that separation of I'm not like I'm a tennis player. And I'm Matt, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm different with the, the the kind of lads I hang around with, or my family, or whatever it may be. But then when I'm playing tennis, I'm 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 a completely different person. And I think you also put on a pedestal. 
I think when you're playing futures, like in my area, there's not there's not a great deal of players that have done the same as me, like gone and played futures, gone and travelled and gone through it. So they don't understand the heartache, the kind of the the sleeping in an airport, kind of waiting for your flight. Everyone thinks it's kind of a holiday. Like, oh, you're getting to go to Portugal, that's great. But, yeah, you're on your own. Like, yeah, it's great. You've got um, the sun out. It's great weather. But you're kind of on your own a bit, yeah. But the flip side of that, do you think that... And I'll use the term we because it's not, I'm not just this is not just aimed at you. Yeah. We as tennis players like the label of being the tennis player that gives us a little bit of a celebrity feeling around our, as you would say, normal, normal life. And do you think that's one of the reasons why so many tennis players continue playing tennis? Maybe. Um, I think initially, yes. I think um, when I was kind of 18, 19, it was great. Like you, Everyone was asking questions and are you doing so well? And, and then kind of people move on. Yeah. So you've gone that college and university kind of lifestyle where no one's really doing anything. Kind of, it sounds negative, but no one's really doing anything in life. Everyone's kind of adjusting to the new norm of kind of university or they've got a job, whatever yeah. it be. But then when you get older, it people have got families, houses yeah. and good very good paid jobs. That kind of celebrity kind of feel. Yeah. It, it's not there anymore. Like as in. But I think the the the, the problem you it's almost a, a big flip side of you've gone from feeling that good, having that kind of big um kind of boost to then kind of when you're coming back home you're kind of dreading it a little bit um, and that's what I felt kind of certainly like two years ago was just like you kind of want to get away from the tournament but you also don't want to come back and tell everyone how you've done and, and why you haven't done better and so I think I think you're right I think at the start yeah definitely you love that kind of attention of that celebrity kind of feel um, you feel kind of more wanted, yeah. Um, but then it wears off very quickly. I think. No, just uh, just listening to you. Put the intensity of of putting your own money into it and feeling like you know you have to do well because there's very select opportunities. To the concern about what then other people think of you, whether that's your peers or whether that's then your friends at home. These are all very real feelings that actually, from a psychological point of view, will lead to us not being able to perform. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. It's it, it just in, in anything that we, we do, you know, we, we, have to, we have to be able to have our, our processes that we commit to. We have to reframe how we view success. You know, success has been viewed in pretty, pretty strong ways there that are, that are going to have that effect. For somebody who is 17, 18, who's considering their options, who's a tennis player, for someone maybe who's coming out of college even, 
you know, what is your advice to them as they start to take their first steps onto playing the Futures tournaments? Surround yourself with the right people is a big thing. Um, I think it sounds really abrupt, but anyone that's wanting to put you down, just get rid of. Yeah. Because you feel like kind of an idiot for doing it, but it's not until kind of now that I've started to do that. And it's almost too late because it's it's in your head. Yeah. And I think it's surrounding yourself with good people that actually care about you, that want you to achieve and want you to do what you want to do. That's a huge for, for your kind of mental side of things. Yeah. Um, having someone to talk to, whether it be a coach, your family, friends, even if it's one person, I think that's huge. But also, I think not judging yourself from what other people are doing. Everyone's got yeah. their own path. Yeah. Um, it's so easy to compare yourself to someone that's achieving and you're not. Yeah. And you don't often compare yourself to someone that's not achieving. You're always looking up, but never yeah. down in a sense. Yeah. So I think it's having that kind of maturity of, of, of realizing where you are. I think. Um, I think that that can massively help someone of, and to achieve realistic goals. Yeah, very good. Um, very good, Matt. And I think it's it's also just to add to that, not defining yourself by a number next to your name. And I yeah. think and I, and I think I think that's a massive one in the tennis world that we almost there's almost this thing that you're a better person because you've got a higher ranking, you know, yeah. and that whole kind of self judgment, that whole self worth. You know, I would urge anybody listening to do, do not connect your self-worth to, to a result, a ranking, any, you know, attach it to what you are as a person, you know, and, and if I take you, you know, and I've you know, spent d different times with you over the years, Matt, you're a good guy, you're an honest, hardworking guy, you've, you know, you get on well with people, you're kind, so you're winning, you, you're yeah. winning. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you're winning. And it's like, that's that's the first thing that we need to judge winning on and and that's the only thing that we should be really reflecting on in terms of our self-worth now obviously we'll all have goals we'll all have ranking aims absolutely and you throw yourself at those and and you reflect and okay why i was unable to get the results so i'm not getting the results and we find out the real true performance questions around that you know and it might and that might mean that we have to change where we're training how we're training it might mean that we've got to do certain things to try and earn a bit more money to travel it might mean that actually you know what this sport isn't for me because it's it's too difficult whatever that might be however that's very different to what you are and what we are as people and, yeah. and that's, that's something I wished I'd learned earlier, you know, and, and I think if, if they can, people listening and certainly youngsters can listen, um, that are listening to this podcast and take that with them, that's, that's worth its weight in gold when it comes to mental health, because all of the things you've talked about are all, they're all fakey, falsy things that are just perception. It's all yeah. perception. Yeah, you know, and it's it's perception of what your you think someone thinks of you. It's perception of what you think you should achieve and could achieve. You know, it's all it's all very much perception. And now, someone who's coached a lot of different players, it's amazing how once you start coaching the player, 
you realize everyone has the same insecurities. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and maybe your perception of that player is how confident they are. The perception of it is how maybe you even arrogant they are, you know, the perception, but everyone has different breaking points. But when you break down any human being, and that's all we are, and that's as, as tennis players, we all have that insecure breaking point that brings out the same fears and anxieties and different things in us. Um, and, and I think it's really important that we all we all remember that as well. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's as from the coaching side of things, it's it's funny to to see some of the, the kids or the players you work with, and you can see the similarities. Like, um, and I think that's what kind of helped me as well. Was I always separated my coaching and playing? Yeah. So I'm a different person when I'm coaching. Yeah. I'm confident. I've got the kind of experience in my in my head of, of what they can do and, and, and whatnot. And and the positives and negatives within the sport because I've gone through it. Yeah. So I completely when some kids come to me and for example there's one lad that I've worked with, he said I couldn't hit ball because I've I've grown like a ridiculous amount. He went from kind of being Five foot eleven, six foot two, like that, right. and it's like struggling his timing, and and I'm going, to, I get it because I've been yeah. there, and he thinks it, the, the the whole his whole world's falling apart, yeah. when actually it's normal. Yeah, yeah. Everyone kind of goes through that, but once again, it's not talked about. I think I think people because it's an individual sport, you've not got a friend to kind of talk to yeah. that's doing the same thing a lot of the time because that friend could then be an opponent next week so you don't want to tell them too much yeah. because then that can be used against you it's it's a yeah it's but maybe but maybe if we do maybe if we do then maybe we'll be stronger the next week and give us a better opportunity the next week you know and yeah 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 I, I, and I think that's what's important is the if I went from 2021 20, to and did those these last kind of five six years again, I'd be telling everyone, like I'd be discussing things, asking them more questions, being more outspoken about things, kind of picking picking brains like yourself, um, going well, what what did because I I I know that you were a good player, but I never asked. What yeah. you went through as a player, and, and I, I heard the odd stories of um, you trying to find a partner. Uh, I remember one from Greece um, yeah. when he was having a, you were having to go at yourself, and yeah. he was saying, "Oh, one point at a time." Yeah. That, um, but I can remember those moments yeah. because it's like a, you're a sponge, and, and you you take in that, and you can understand it then, and that someone else has been through it. Yeah, but yeah. when you're stuck in that kind of little rut, yeah talk to someone about something you're struggling with yeah, it's so tough because you just feel like you should be stronger than you you are yeah, yeah. and you feel like you're wrong for think, thinking that way yeah, yeah I'd definitely I'd, I'd be asked, I'd be picking people's brains I'd be chatting to everyone and just trying to learn more because uh, I think that's so so important to learn from your bad experiences really and because it's the only way you can change it um but the amount of times I've done the same thing, the same mistake over and over again and not realise until 
this time where you've got nothing nothing else to think about really like with lockdown yeah all you can do is reflect on what you've done Absolutely. before lockdown yeah, yeah. so it's and i'm thinking geez where's the time gone and what yeah. i've done i've done the same thing over and over again yeah. um so i think it'll be good for people this kind of locked this lockdown if they approach in the right way um yeah. it can also be a big big negative because it's a weird weird kind of world we live in now yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great place to finish, Matt. You know, yeah. listen. You know, key messages for me: talk to people, talk to people. Don't put your self worth on, on on your ranking. You know, get get yourself out there. Just be a good person. Be kind to people. You know, give your very best. You you do that, you you won't fail. You won't go far wrong in this life. Um, and and I think. You know, from learning from your experience, I think will be it will be a massive help for for many people out there. So thank you so much for sharing. No worries. I hope so. I hope it helps at least one person. Yeah, well, absolutely, and that's 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 what these platforms are about. You know, nobody's getting paid any money to do these things. We're doing it, no. you know, our own time and um, because we wanna we wanna make a bit of a difference and and have an impact on some people. So um, I'm sure I'm sure they will. So thanks, Matt. Massive thank you to Matt Hingley for that. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast and and again, take lots from it. Uh, Please share it with friends and people that you think will take a lot from it. And until next time, the next podcast tomorrow is Anthony Ross, where Anthony, Dr. Anthony Ross, Sports psychologist, but also clinical psychologist, will talk through all of the all of the I guess case studies that we've had this week. I know it's, it's people's lives, so I don't really like calling them case studies, but I'm sure you guys will understand after a long week of bringing these podcasts together that there's the odd little mistake that's made. Um, but Anthony is going to be fantastic tomorrow, and I think it'll end the week really nicely. So a big thank you for your support. Keep sharing, keep liking, keep rating, keep reviewing. And let's get these podcasts far and wide. Until then, have a great evening, great weekend, whatever you're doing. And I'm Dan Kiernan and my co-host, John McGann. We are Control the Controllables.